This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 42, about Jessica Jones, episode 12, a.k.a. Take a Bloody Number. Welcome back, Defenders. This is episode 42 of Defenders TV Podcast about Jessica Jones, episode 12, a.k.a. Take a Bloody Number. I'm Derek. I'm one of your hosts. I'm John, one of your other hosts. And we're only the troop, I'm Chris. Welcome back. Yes. We're here in the deli counter where we need to take a number. Number five. <laughs> it just sounds so wrong. It's like, take a number. Yeah, I can do that. Take a bloody number. Right. It's either you're swearing or something's really wrong with that deli counter. Absolutely. Bloody steaks. <laughs> mm. Medium rare. Well, welcome back, guys. Really good to be uh, to be here talking about the penultimate episode of the Netflix series Jessica Jones. Uh, we've gone through 11 episodes, obviously, so far. If you haven't heard those episodes, uh, you can hear them all by going to DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes, where you can subscribe to our episodes and hear everything we're talking about uh, all through Jessica Jones. This episode obviously will be spoiler-filled. We'll be talking about everything to do with this episode of Jessica Jones. Um, if you want to send us feedback on our episodes of Jessica Jones or any of the other shows that we cover, uh, all of our Marvel shows and movies, you can send us feedback to feedback at Defenders TVpodcast.com. Uh, and if you're not an Apple person and want to subscribe to the podcast, you can subscribe to us in any good podcast catcher. Just go and search for Defenders TV Podcast on Beyond Pod, Stitcher, Podcast uh, Addict, yeah, any other good Player uh, FM. Or any other good podcast catcher, definitely. Uh, you can also find us on flickeringmyth.com uh, as our episodes get posted. Uh, guys, I think we can uh, talk about this week's episode. What did you think overall? A tale of two halves, I reckon. Right. I think this is the slow build-up to, obviously, the final episode. And I reckon it needed it as well. It was good to see this investigation. It was. It felt more investigative. Um, It wasn't what I was necessarily expecting, but overall I liked it. Um, And I think it will play nicely with... um, the, the final episode so it's almost like a two-parter a right. double header right chris yeah i was really surprised about how subdued this was for a penultimate episode mm-hmm. like it really for i for me it felt like nearly three quarters of this was just really slow mm. now john just said talking about it as an investigatory type episode yeah yeah, okay, now looking back that way, but there was points I was like, get on with it. Right, really? <laughs> like, literally, Homer would be on the back of the TV show, just going, get on with it! <laughs> um, but it all was such a huge build-up to that aha moment, which Absolutely. we'll probably get to later. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say for me, um, similar, similar thoughts. I think some of the episode I was kind of feeling a bit... Like, where's this going? I don't really know why they're doing the investigation as much as they are, why it's why it's lingering with the two characters so much. And then the reveal at the end, I suppose, was a nice shocking moment that put everything in back into perspective for me as to why they were doing what they were doing with the episode. But overall, I did enjoy it. Uh, I think we'll get into our synopsis for the episode. Uh, so again, this episode was AKA Take a Bloody Number. I just like saying that. Uh, it was written by Hilly Hicks Jr., uh, who's one of the producers of the show. And this episode was directed by Billy Gerhardt, who's well known to fans of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because he directed a few episodes of that show. Uh, he also directed episodes of Walking Dead and directed four episodes of Torchwood Miracle Day. So a nice Doctor Who connection in there with uh, with John Barrowman. And uh, obviously he was involved in uh, in Doctor Who. So, yeah, really interesting to have him involved in, in Jessica Jones. Think they ever met before? What's the link with John Barrowman? John Barrowman was the lead in Torchwood. 
And yeah. Who was in Doctor Who? She was in Doctor Who. The character. Yeah. Captain Jack. Jessica Jones. Jack no, was, I know that. Yeah, I know and that he met David Burnley. Tennant. And David oh, Tennant. Okay, there yeah. you go. And we're keeping this in. Okay. Sorry. No, I know all that <laughs> connection, but... We swear, we actually do know what we're talking about, people. Like, we do, It's just yes. every now yes. and again. You know those... the, the in- Sometimes I get confused. Yes. Yeah. We're not just looking for connections <laughs> We're not just looking for connections here. These connections do exist, I promise. Uh, so, I was, yeah. No, but all of a sudden I was transported to a, um, a Green Arrow podcast. Oh, gosh. That would have been the, um, the connection. <laughs> I, Speaking I'm, of John Barrowman. I'm definitely going to categorically say, despite the fact that we do a DC podcast as well over on Gotham TV podcast, I will never do a Green Arrow podcast. Maybe ah, a Flash no. one. Maybe a Flash one where I there's like, a crossover like into the Arrow. Arrow. Or the Green Arrow. He's not, is he, oh, he is the Green Arrow now. Yeah. 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 Apparently they, the city needed something different, so they put green at the front. So. <laughs> yeah. I think that worked. I remember when they went Britain? It went up Great Britain. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, that G mean. word makes it all right. <laughs> Although I absolutely loved the episode with Constantine and oh, Arrow. That it. was a great I episode. Love Arrow or the Green Arrow. No, see, it's great, like re- relaxation TV. Anyway, I think we. Digress. I've got a drinking problem. Speaking of characters, <laughs> I love Lorelai. Oh. But speaking of characters with a drinking problem, let's get on to Jessica Jones for our penultimate episode. Exactly. What a segue! What a Pretty good, John. Do you want to give us tell us what we got? Sure. With AKA take a bloody number. Um, Luke reveals to Jessica that he was ordered by Kilgrave to destroy his bar as the hunt for Kilgrave reignites. Sorry, I mean reunites Jessica with Luke as bridges are built over the death of Luke's former wife Reva as he forgives her of any blame. Meanwhile, Simpson has vanished at the hands of Dr. Kozlov, just as Trisha's mother presents unexpected information to her daughter about a mysterious company, IGH, who are responsible for Simpson and seemingly another important person in Trisha's life. All the while, Kilgrave is forcing his father, Albert, to concoct a way to increase and expand his control in order that he might affect Jessica once again. As Jessica and Luke go in search of leads uh, at a nightclub, Kilgrave appears and unleashes an unforeseen power upon Jessica that culminates in a very different kind of shootout. So I just have to explain my Australian accent. Obviously, there are so many, <laughs> so many Australians in in this uh, series. What with uh, Trish and Malcolm, all being played by uh, Australians and Simpson. and Simpson as well. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't resist the the bloody. They say it so well. Yeah, and Chris, that's an Australian accent. An right. Australian okay. Accent. I, I, yeah, it makes more sense now. It sounds like my Cockney accent and kind my of. Welsh accent. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> we did get a comment on Twitter from one of our listeners. Who said that they almost spat up their coffee when they? Yeah, and my hillbilly accent. <laughs> when they as heard well. your hillbilly accent, yes. Uh, excellent. So, uh, the way we cover our episodes, if you don't know by now, we'll say it again. Why not? Uh, only two more to say this in, I suppose. Uh, way and we cover. The next one. And, and the next one. Yep. And, and the next one. And the next series. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, the way we cover our episodes is we take our top five points of the episode, some good, some bad, and hopefully by talking about those top five points each, we will cover the entire episode. Uh, Chris, do you want to kick us off with your first point about this episode? Okay, I'm going to actually completely veer away from what most people will assume we're going to kick off this episode with. Okay. I'm going to start with a tender moment. Oh, very good. Uh, and I'm talking about the moment on the rooftop. Okay, yep. Yep, completely. It was just the Luke and Jessica had that really great scene where they, we believe they were dealing with all the issues. And Luke basically forgiving... 
Jessica for the death of Riva. Mm-hmm. I think you, I want to make sure I get this. I'll say it every day for those long as you need to hear it. That was just so powerful. It was beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was just, it was a, genu- a genuinely sweet moment. It got close to a hammy level or a rom-com level, but then they literally, her <laughs> face, and or almost like a, a chick flick, and I, I apologize okay. for using that term, and they just cut it before it got corny. And I think that's what made it special. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a genuinely, and I, I think I've said it twice now, genuinely sweet moment where you're like, we're getting, in the penultimate episode, we're getting some resolutions. And I was, or yeah, it's kind of, it was the, the end of that arc. Yeah. Or so we believed. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and like I think, what an evil, evil man Kilgrave is. Uh, that scene was beautiful. This is where I kind of perked up and went, oh, this is what the episode is about. We needed this episode between Luke and Jessica finally resolving their issues. We, I think, had said when they did their fight and break up that there is no possibility these two characters could get back together again. And yeah, I love this scene. I thought it was really, really sweet. And then Kilgrave pulls the rug out from under the audience and says that he scripted the entire thing. And I think that's what really showed the pathetic nature of Kilgrave even more, is that he was, I think it was the line, it was like, that sexual tension, that's you and me. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, wait, no. I know. Oh. And then Luke says to her, you killed my wife, how could I ever forgive you for that? Yeah. And again, you're wondering, is that the puppetry of Kilgrave? Again, telling Luke what to say to her when they have this confrontation. Has he told her, you now need to say to her, all you told her was a lie. You don't forgive her for the death and everything I've, I've given you is scripted. So it does leave a lot, a lot of, uh, again, some hanging strands for the next episode. And that, that, that's not an annoyance for me because you expect, like, this is not a, we have yet, as of uh, the whatever date this is in January 2016. <laughs> 16th of January. Yeah. 16th, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting blind. <laughs> um, we've yet to hear there's going to be a season two of Jessica Jones. That's right, yeah. So they are, and we've yet to hear whether Jessica Jones will be a main character like Luke Cage in Luke Cage. Yeah. Right, so what we're, what we're ending up here with is unless everything is resolved in the next episode, so in another hour, not 50-whatever minutes, mm-hmm. we are left with some large unanswered questions until potentially defenders. This is what got me so conflicted. Well, actually, it's a three-way confliction, right? So we had a, genuinely, a genuinely sweet moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's amazing, nice resolution, brilliant. Oh, wait, no, no, it's horrible because Kilgrave did all that, and that's disgusting, and ah, yeah. my God. And then it's like, but wait, so did he mean any of it? Does he actually forgive her? Right. Is this the beginning of the love arc? Is the are they just going to change the love arc? Is there no love arc? Mm-hmm. And it goes rapidly downhill by yeah. the, the end of the the episode, anyway. But yeah, I mean, I love that whole thing where he's forgiven her, just like he says. Like it's so like nice, and it it felt it yeah they they stopped it at the right place. Yeah. It, it felt genuine. It felt. Uh, really like a move on from how he reintegrates into Jessica's life. It sa- sounded really well. And then, yeah, it's the rug getting pulled uh, from under you. And it'll be interesting, unless Jessica, as you say, is as big a role or has a bigger role in, in Luke Cage, then 
it's going to really start to take a long time to develop the, this arc. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, it depends what happens in, in the last episode, definitely. Yeah. yeah, because, and I think, like, we know she is in it. We because, don't. Well, no, they know, <laughs> then they started filming. Yes. And she was seen, supposedly, around set. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know, because she dresses like Jessica Jones... And she freely admitted that, and I think in one of her, uh, she was explaining about the casting. She came in, right. and she was dressed as Jessica Jones in her what she her normal clothes. Yeah, they was like that's the look, perfect. We don't know that she was filmed there. Yeah, whether she was actually in the show or not. Yeah, right. yeah. which you would assume. Okay, going back to Daredevil, right? Daredevil has, as we know now, well, he had two potential love interests uh-huh. in the Daredevil season one, being. Karen and Claire. Yep. Claire's gone. Yeah. That's not me, re- unless they rekindle blah, 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 in season two, which is potential, right? Yeah, absolutely. That is the next show coming up, and yeah. she has been confirmed that she's in all the Netflix shows, so mm. we're likely to see her again. So then you, but then we also know Electra's there. Mm-hmm. So they've got some lovely love triangle piece going, but there's no, like, we know Electra. That, that, that doesn't work out for Matt. <laughs> yeah. We don't know about Claire, but potentially, like, that's probably not going to work out mm-hmm. based on series one. And Karen, based on if they go down the story arc of some of the comic books, that uh-huh. doesn't work out. And if I remember your comments throughout the series of Daredevil, you probably wouldn't want it to work out. No, with Karen I really either. don't. So, what, <laughs> what Defenders needs is that love connection. Yeah. Love connection <laughs> we, need, we need Misty Knight to yes. rock on in in her heels and her tight dresses and just go Luke you're mine yeah, well, the, or ultimately Danny obviously ultimately Danny Danny's go Luke no. you're mine <laughs> no Misty Knight with Danny oh, right. Right. but okay. quite frankly I'd be up for seeing Danny Rand and Luke Cage get it on absolutely they are yeah Here's my rock hard abs. Here's my yoga pose. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting first point there, Chris. Yeah, no, so I just think Um, it was so... They they played it very well, uh but unless we get some kind of more resolution, Mm -hmm. then it's leaving slightly a few too many unanswered questions. Right. Not in a bad way, Yeah. but if we get to the end of Luke Cage... And there's no resolution. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Right. Like, this is going to take... This is a two-year arc. So you're wanting proper romance, not rumpy-pumpy. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Very, very much these two it characters... It has rumpy-pumpy in this. Yes. Yeah, well, very much these two characters in the Marvel Universe are kind of like... They're probably the big love story of the Marvel Comics Universe. There's uh, obviously Reed Richards and no. his wife. Um, but these two are the main characters that have had... A kid and and are, have been married, right? They're 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 well known that the two of them are very Peter very involved. Parker? And Mary Jane and um, Peter and Gwen Parker, Stacey. Mary, no, Peter Parker, Mary Jane are like Spider Man's dead to me. Well, yeah. well, let's Back also now for Civil War. Uh, well, let's also just point out again, He's dead to me. both of those characters, those love stories, are owned by Fox, right? Oh, so okay. the the Fantastic Four, terrible film, uh, but the Fantastic Four and. Uh, Spider-Man are both owned by Fox, so within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, really it is Luke and Jessica. Everybody really knows the one thing that they know about the two of them is that they end off together. So I really like how they played it in this show, where we saw them together at the start, we saw the sexual attraction between the two of them, and then coming into this episode, they come back together, he forgives her, and then the rug's pulled out from under him. Um, But it does actually lead in quite well into my point, because my point goes right back to the start of the episode, where we have the flashback to uh, Luke being um, taken 
uh, kidnapped essentially yeah. by Kilgrave, and he has the conversation with him where he's getting all of the information out of Luke that you wouldn't get if it wasn't for a character like Kilgrave. He essentially says to him, "What is there between you and Jessica?" And Luke says to him, "We have something. We definitely have something." So Luke did essentially dump Jessica in the worst way possible uh, because Jessica killed. Uh, his wife, basically, so totally understandable. But well, I don't yeah. think he dumped her. I think he decided, look, I can't be around you, and walked away. Absolutely. Throwing you into a bus. Yeah. But what I love in this episode is that he still admits there is something between the two of them, and he's being completely honest. We know this. So yeah. uh, Luke is not a very open character, generally. He's not a person that talks about his feelings very, very openly, but he is definitely admitting at the beginning of the episode that there is something between the two of them. And for a fan of those two characters, I'm delighted to see that we got that in the episode. I'm sure... A bunch of Luke and Jessica fans were like, great, okay, right, we've finally seen he does have feelings for her. He's not just sleeping with her. But I think the great thing about that scene as well is on the flip side of the um, sort of the genuine affection that Luke Cage has or love or, or physical attraction to, to Jessica, you have on the flip side Kilgrave there kind of really trying to probe to see, you know, did you bugger up my chances with, with Jessica? And he's like, no, you did that yourself. Yeah. Like, so the, the chalk and cheese of Jessica's sort of um, turbulent love life is there in the back of this uh, cab. Absolutely. Really good. And a beautiful and a brilliant scene. And, and especially because it does telegraph what happens at the end of the episode. Remember, Kilgrave says to him immediately, I must think up a good response for that comment essentially and his response to it is to hurt jessica in every way he possibly can make luke blow up his bar with him inside and then when that doesn't kill him then turn him against jessica that's everything that kilgrave can push at jessica because of this one comment from from luke which is totally honest he knows it's totally honest which is that kilgrave's messed up the whole relationship and of course we get um the title episode for um aka take a bloody number because obviously Luke wants to kill Kilgrave. Yeah, like um, everybody else. Like everyone else. <laughs> I think that's it on my first point. Uh, John, do you want to give us your first point? Yeah, I want to come in with IGH. Um, we yes. have uh, a scene here with Trisha's mum, who makes uh, a reappearance, which uh, that was good in itself. I really like the fact that uh, Trisha's mum uh, came back here, but she comes back with this file. Um, she's really trying to, or seems to want to be building bridges uh, with Trisha in some way, maybe not 100% altruistic, and certainly not by by the end. You know, it, it doesn't feel as though that relationship gets significantly yeah. better. Yeah. But um, that she has these files with IGH, and this idea that it's where Simpson has come from. Um, she sort of reveals that Simpson's come from, but also that they footed the medical bills uh, following Jessica's uh, crash, uh, yeah. the car crash with her parents. So the idea that maybe um, they could have imparted um, the superpowers that she has on her, or she was just being observed and, and maybe um, samples taken from her so that if she had been imbued with superpowers that they could use them within their research um, uh, with... Simpson and, and and that program under under Dr. Kozlov. All right. But so what's the, our thoughts? What's what, what do we think the IGH well, could be? Well, in um in Alias, you have MGH and that's the mutant gene hormone which is a drug going around the city because obviously um uh Luke Cage has 
problems with drugs are part of his background. So I think that probably in the comics it connects more in with that. But there is this drug going around, and obviously now, um, I don't think the show here particularly points out what IGH might stand for. They, well, they say um, that they say that. Uh that Trish has looked into it and there's no connection. There's yeah, no such I, company. Sorry, Trish's mom had looked into it. There's no such company as IGH. Yeah. Yeah. But it could then be that the eye is replaced with Inhuman, given um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and obviously all the things happening there, that it could be the Inhuman growth hormone. So there could be the possibility that this kind of mysterious organisation and company um, has given her alien DNA or Inhuman DNA. And it might be Hydra, very interesting. And it might be Hydra, exactly. No, I don't think Hydra. I I think AIM. Possibly. That would be great as well. I hope they bring the yellow uh, hazmat suits. (laughs) That would be really cheesy, but really good. It would be really cool. It was the best thing in Lego uh, Marvel, um, (laughs) with the little AIM uh, minions. And we have mentioned it before in the show, we have obviously had AIM uh, in the past in Iron Man 3, Aldrich Killian, um, played by Guy Pearce, was uh, was the leader of AIM, as revealed at the end of the show. So AIM does exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I'm, I'm interested in the fact that you do say because I, I wasn't aware of it, the uh, the obviously possibility that we have the inhuman genome here. Um, that is exactly what Hydra are doing in uh, in Agents of Shield. They're they're looking to get specimens of inhumans by using the genomes uh, that were found, essentially. So that's really and it could all bring Hydra into this universe. Yeah. Obviously, with Iron Fist and that element again, mysterious organization being mm-hmm. mentioned. So this was a really big. Um, point for me, both in terms of mysterious organization that doesn't really exist. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, obviously the connection with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but also with Jessica and, and obviously Simpson. Brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, I'm going to come on this because I was, this was one of my points too. Okay. So th- consider this, right? Mm-hmm. We, they still haven't filled in one of the blanks about Jessica's origin. Yeah. According to the comics, she slams into the truck. And it was filled with chemicals, right. all very Matt Murdock style-esque. Yeah. But we don't know this yet. So what if they are building this IGH to be the Netflix version of AIM or Hydra mm-hmm. or a, a, a spin-off type, a splinter group, right? Who becomes the shadow, shadowy organization of the Netflix Marvel Universe. Right. So... What we get then is perhaps they experimented on Jessica when she was in the coma mm-hmm. as one of the kids. Maybe. Because yeah. that links, she was in a coma and the, we have the whole bit, which has not been 100% tied up mm-hmm. because Jessica just gives Luke the flash drive. Yes, she does. And that's it. That's the end of that arc, if we want to call it that. Setting him off on his investigation mm. for the Luke Cage TV show, potentially. Yeah. Potentially, yeah. But then let's go further, okay? What if they're the ones who are part of the ones funding the Steel Serpents, Madame Gao? Mm-hmm, so you exactly. end up, and then we end up getting this, the one, the, do you remember, I, I can't remember, I think it was the Immortal Iron Fist series, where you had Hydra trying to, oh, to get, take down Danny Rand's company. Yeah, and, and get to the gate of the Seven Cities of Heaven, yeah. and Kung Lom, and all this kind of stuff, yeah. like to, to, deal with that or to try and capture and, and use this mystical power which of course they're kind of trying to do in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I, I kind of at the moment have it 
aligned like that in my own head. It might not be what's going on, yeah. but it's that they're going to different planets, and that's kind of the same maybe as different cities yep. in heaven, these different areas, realms, uh, planes, whatever, that um, to try and bring in this kind of um, mystical weaponry for, for their own yeah. use. And certainly, you know, that they have had Stephen Strange as well on their radar in um, The Winter Soldier. So, you know, it, it's all sort of building towards um, trying to utilise this weaponry and even with shields, the the weaponry to defend themselves of, in shields' case, but with Hydra to use to their own advantage. Yeah, yeah, possibly, well, possibly for more sort of nefarious reasons. So I'm going to pull my last piece, right? Mm-hmm. We have the hand. Yeah, they've been introduced. Uh, kind of, yes. yes, yes, yeah. That was um, Nobu, uh, yep. the, the ninja, I suppose, uh, played by Peter Shinkoda in uh, in season one of Daredevil. Yeah. Yep. So what if it's something like? Something glorious hand. Oh, interesting. interesting. They are the shadowy organization. They funded Madame Gao mm-hmm. and the Steel Serpents. They are the hand with Nobu. They are the ones who have been experimenting on kids because they want to breed their version of the super soldier like Nobu, like uh, Luke Cage and the other kids that they were experimenting right, on. Right, right. So they they become the, the Hydra for... Marvel Netflix. Right. Interesting. They become the the oh my god, is he actually working for them? Is he is he good? Is he bad? Is he a, is he a plant? Brings in some of the elements of uh Captain America Winter Soldier. Right. Uh, he, is it is he good? Is he bad? Oh no, I don't I don't I, I don't know. Brings in that kind of noir setting mm-hmm. that we wanted and we got from Jessica Jones, which is like the very cheesy but great the, the TV trope, which is a guy's introduced and you don't know whether he's good or bad or is he a double agent, triple agent, quadruple agent <laughs> kind of fun. But then how great would it be, right? Daredevil season two, mm-hmm. which is coming in March. What if we see Matt, Matt Murdock get doused with chemicals? Maybe they were going to hurt him, mm-hmm. but then he gets to the hospital and they, they experiment on this kid and that's their thing. Like, they are trying to build this human child army of superheroes, mm-hmm. or gifted. Maybe they were behind Black Sky in the first season of Daredevil as well, which yeah. is the young kid who had the superpowers. So maybe, yeah, maybe there is this connection between IGH and all of these, uh, all of the shows. So good. it's very possible that this could be our big bad, the reveal of our big bad, I suppose, for Defenders. Again, as I said, Luke Cage has this flash drive now of the kids that are experimenting on. Maybe he goes off on the, that investigation and finds out who IGH are. Uh, we do still have one, one more episode of Jessica Jones to go, so maybe there's a bit more in, in there about IGH in the We're next episode. We're all wrong again. It's yeah. going to be you like, well, IGH, it's, a, it's an arm of Google, like, <laughs> something's wrong. It's like, they're totally taking over that, the world. That doesn't make them any less no. nefarious, does it? No, no. 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 Like, Google is Hydra. Yeah. Absolutely. Cut off one head, it becomes off that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Derek, what's your next point? Um, my point's slightly tied into this. Just one little point about the Trish and Barbara discussion that I thought stood out essentially was uh, Trish had a drug problem in the past, um, essentially caused by her mother in her head, anyway, pushing her into uh, into this fame. Uh, her mother kind of comes into her and says, I heard you were taking drugs. 
uh, again, did you relapse again? And Trish says, no, it's not like that. Uh, this is a completely different thing. I'm absolutely fine. I haven't relapsed. So it's another bit of, a, of the, the mysterious past, I suppose, of Patsy Walker that we're hearing in this episode. And what I really am feeling over the course of these episodes, I think I mentioned it last week, that we're getting much more of an origin story of Patsy Walker than we are of Jessica Jones. All we know of Jessica was that she was in a car accident and now she is Jessica Jones with the superpowers. We still... 12 episodes into the series, haven't found out how she got the superpowers. We know that IGH foot the bill for the medical, but we are totally guessing at whether they were involved in testing on her or not. We still don't know at 12 episodes in, which I think is really interesting. Uh, but Patsy, we know a lot more about. We know how she's got to where she is. We know that she empowered herself because of how she was forced to do things by her mother. Uh, we know, obviously, she took the drugs last week and had the big fight with, with Simpson. So we know that she wants to be a hero, wants to be a superhero. We don't know anything like that about Jessica, which I think is fascinating considering the show is called Jessica Jones. You'd expect to have gotten the origin story of Jessica. Uh, and one other thing I wanted to call out is definitely uh, Barbara's exit from the hospital, I thought, is one of the best exits I've seen in the show so far, <laughs> yeah. which is uh, I'll just go and scream my ner- scream at nurses on the way out to cheer myself up. Um, really good, <laughs> that little moment from, from Barbara, who is a despicable character, but I love her. I really enjoy seeing her in the show. Yeah, and so with the drug problem, I'm glad they actually resolved that because I think, and now our listeners will be able to tell us, we, we alluded, or they alluded to something like this back in the very beginning when Jessica kind of meets and talks to Patty at the beginning. Yeah. They meet her problem at the time. And I think we talked about it. Yeah. Uh, um, in, we were oh, could she have had a big breakdown type thing? Yeah. Um, but you're right. I also get the feeling that this is, we're getting, Jessica's built. Mm-hmm. She already is the, the quintessential anti-hero of this. We're seeing the build of Hellcat. Yeah. The, the the birth, if you want to call it that, of someone who we know has an addictive personality now. Mm-hmm. So her new drug now is becoming the action and the, the danger of, of being involved with gifted type individuals mm-hmm. and they're oh you mean heroes <laughs> yes heroes thank you we can actually can we use that now is that is that, is that taken no um sorry <laughs> My, <clears throat> sorry that the, the gifted is still getting to me <laughs> 12 episodes in and i'm still it's ranting still about rant. it <laughs> um but no i think it's you're right it, this i if we do not see patsy and in some variation of a Hellcat type hero, mm-hmm. I will be in Luke Cage or Iron Fist, but at least Defenders, where something's wrong. Yeah. Because yeah. then what you've done is you built this huge character. They built the backstory of her character. They built her up, like you said, more than they built up on the background of Jessica. Yeah. Like, in theory, this. It's Patsy. That should be the name of the show. <laughs> well, we certainly spent more time with Jessica. I don't want to. I, I don't want to take away from the writers of the show. We no. certainly spent more time with Jessica in the present moment. We've got a few flashbacks to her past, but they're more about she had a family. That's kind of it. You know, well, it's had a family. Um, yeah, family died. Exactly. She became a, she became a sister to uh, to this very rich girl. But then we got the back, the actual origin story of that of that character, which I think is a great choice. I know Marvel had said just before the Daredevil series came out, they were kind of done with origin stories. 
we knew we were going to get an origin story throughout Daredevil, but we didn't get it till about episode three, I think mm-hmm. it was. We got the flashback or episode two, actually. Um, so whereas Jessica Jones, we didn't get an origin story here. So this is interesting that their main character doesn't have an origin story. Uh, also, a little bit of kind of news to bring into this episode. The Russo brothers who are doing... Um, Infinity War yep. uh, have announced there are 67 Marvel characters going to appear in that movie in some small sense. There's not all main characters, obviously. So I wonder, will we see uh, will we see Hellcat in the background of that of that movie? Will we see her fully formed now that she is hopefully by the end of the series? Still, again, one more episode. Hopefully, she's fully formed by the end of the series, so they'll be able to just take her out, have her in a scene or two with some of the major players. That'll be interesting. I um, so I read that article too, right? mm-hmm. and I'm. I'm worried by that statement, right? Because, first of all, everyone jumped on it going, oh my God, yeah. 67 heroes and Too villains. Many main characters, yeah. And I'm like, there is no way. Absolutely. No film. unless we... It's a big battle scene. It yeah. must yeah. be. That's it must be it against probably the worst character that's been introduced into the MCU so far. Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> but, hold on. No, I never, I think you So, yeah, you get that big fight scene, right? But they still haven't confirmed if they're bringing the MCU TVU into <laughs> oh, no, of the, course. U, the MCUU. Yeah. Like the, the big one. The MCU. They're all connected. That's what they're saying. They're connected. And yeah. I think that's what the Russo brothers were saying. Very much they were saying, we'll use every character we have available to us. The script's not written. The movie's not shot. Mm-hmm. We know that. They're very much just saying that. And as you said, instantly when they released that... As a headline for an article, everybody jumped on top of it. They did clarify that they will use all the characters. All they mean is, we have a universe now. We'll use everything we can. That's what they're really saying. It's not. It's, it's essentially not saying they won't have um, stand, uh, bystanders running by in the background. They'll be able to use characters that have been built yeah. up in the universe, whether but, it be cops that we've seen in, in the TV shows. But that's or, brilliant. Yeah, that, that, brilliant. to me, is the double-page spread of a massive fight Absolutely. between, you know, whether it was from Civil War, from World War Hulk or something. Mm. You know, the, this huge... That massive battle between opposing forces or between superheroes and supervillains where you you see and you look through this massive two-page spread to say, oh, look, there's Iron Man. Oh, look, there's Captain America. Or as I always that did, oh, look. That is fantastic. And that is straight from the comic books, and that's great, Absolutely. I think. Or as I did, oh, look, there's Nick Fury in the background shooting somebody. Um, well, hold time. on, hold <laughs> on. Exactly. Except he was probably not in it that much. He was always there. He was always either leading or... Uh, leading the charge or shooting somebody in the head, but that's the only panel you no, get it from the, the only reason The only reason you know he's there is because we have flashbacks going, oh, I was wearing a life model decoy and I, or I made myself look <laughs> like someone else no. while I was there. It was all about being un- un- covert. Yeah, yeah. Was it ever the real Nick Fury is, is the question. It's going to turn around. Mm. Like, that was it's not going to be Samuel Jackson. It's going to be like turn out that Samuel Jackson was actually, as Nick Fury in MCU, is actually James Earl Jones. He's <laughs> 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 like, that would be brilliant. <laughs> it's like the ultimate reveal. No, no, wait. Nick Fury is a little white Caucasian dwarf. That would be amazing. Can you imagine the end of the universe? The ultimate reveal is like, no, no, I wasn't the super cool guy. He's the Watcher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 Derek would be well happy with that. The dwarf's a giant. The Watcher's a giant. He can't go. Nick Fury was the Watcher on the wall. Yeah. And I think we might have to rename the podcast from Defenders TV Podcast to maybe the Wonderland Podcast because we keep going down rabbit holes. Um, I think we need to take it back. Chris, do you want to give us your next point? Uh, Yeah, so brilliant. I'm going to bring up one that's a very short one, which was just so funny. Jessica running through Central Park. Mm -hmm. And, well, no, 
tailing, not running through Jessica's theater, and her comments to the passerbys. Oh, that's hilarious. So, like, the, the bubbles go, what the hell? Yeah, Why not? Like, the guy just blows it, and I was like, she's going to burst right through. No, she yeah. just kind of zigs around the, it. The bubble that's, uh, that's kind of starting to encompass her, and she just gets really yeah. annoyed with it and frustrated, like anybody would. It's not like, it's not the superhero moment. No. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a bloody bubble that's uh, right in her face that's really annoying her, yeah. But the ultimate, the ultimate part of that scene, you all know what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Bloody breeders. Oh, yeah. I was hilarious. like, yes! <laughs> like, is this is army of, like, kind of prams. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, we've all been there. We're all like, oh, my God, just get you and your kid away from me. I'm trying to walk here. <laughs> the six uh, the six women were prams in front of her, yeah. The chariots. Uh, really funny. It reminded me of the movie Hot Fuzz, uh, where there's a, a great moment that, uh, <laughs> that is, it just really stands out to me. And I wonder why they didn't use it in Jessica Jones. Uh, essentially, it's where the main character, of uh, played by Simon Pegg, is running down the street and a bunch of women come in front of him with their prams and he goes, oh, you mothers. Uh, which, is, <laughs> which is a great way of not having to make the curse, essentially. Of course, Jessica would have probably uh, made the bigger curse, but Breeders is probably just as, uh, as offensive as that. So. But the reason I loved it even more is because I know the comic book where she becomes a breeder yeah, and yeah. she becomes with Luke Cage and has a baby and one of the probably only big pregnancies and births in the in the Marvel comic universe that has yeah. stayed alive and hasn't been retconned or that we know of right now yeah. like and I was like oh that's brilliant she is ultimately not a mother whatsoever Absolutely. she has no mother mothering type trait or anything in her mm-hmm. so we'll either see this being becoming and growing in her mm-hmm. or it's just going to be like no 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 she's she's a hard as nails like whiskey drinking I don't give a shit yeah and I was like yeah that's yeah no I really I really like that touch definitely I think the way they approach it in the comic is and that's why so many people love the character of Jessica Jones is that when she gets pregnant she has that reaction which is I don't want a bloody child <laughs> um, it, she has that reaction of I'm not prepared for this and I love that yeah they've called it out here she really is just so annoyed with these people in the park with the prams not realising she has something really important to do which is chase down the courier yeah well this brings me on to my uh, next point which is the AAV1 viral drug that Albert's using on on his son uh, and injecting him with and two things from this basically we have the hedge clipper moment oh Um, my god again something kind of that mirrors uh, hot fuzz as well, but um, we have the yes. the the clippers going into the courier's head, who um, is the trying to get more of this drug for for Kilgrave and for his dad for the experiments or the tests that they're doing to try and increase his kind of control. Um, but also then we we just have as well with this another really great uh, scene of um, Albert just saying. You know, I'm really, really tired. I can't focus. And Kilgrave just asks him to put his hand in the blender. And then, of course, nothing happens, but it is that cringe moment where mm-hmm. the blender is speeding away. Oh, so um, and, like, his dad has put his fist into the, the container and just moving it towards there. And it's just like, oh, my God. Like, Kilgrave is an absolute arse, like, in terms of with this courier because he knows that Jessica is uh-huh. probably going to be looking for him, following him. He's got all these different safety nets in place. And then, um, like, with his, with his own father, Albert, like, it just... I think he goes, um, you know... 
are you focused now? Do you still need a nap? You know, it's yeah. like, what an a-hole. Absolutely. <laughs> it was a brilliant way to wake someone yeah. up. Like, I'm going, I might try that. God, I do not <laughs> want to work for you. Uh, no. <laughs> work harder, team. Work yeah. harder. Right. Okay. Get me that blender. Just literally start every now and take out the blender. <laughs> just to scare people. I'm just going to make a smoothie. Or am I? Uh, right. Nice. Yeah, no, I think Chris has called out pretty much in each of the episodes the, the moments that have really made you cringe and made your skin kind of crawl right the way back from Kilgrave licking Jessica's yeah. face in the first episode these are getting more and more gruesome that scene I honestly felt Jessica was very close she can make it she can make a high speed jump or something to get to him uh, to get to the guy before he puts the shears in his uh, in his throat essentially but no we got a pretty gruesome drop face plant to the floor uh, with the set with of the, shears the shears sticking oh, up out of the back of the head and but then of course like she goes rifling through his his uh, bag and all that whilst all these onlookers and you're like going uh, maybe Jessica stop that because now you just look like yeah. uh, you're a thief but why did she check his it? pulse that's what I'm like well. she, <laughs> she checks his pulse and I'm like he has a pair of shears yeah. through his brain <laughs> I didn't I'm spot that sure. Yeah, well, she, she might be able to explain away the looking through his bag saying she was looking for his ID or something before she called the cops but uh, but yeah it did look really really weird when she's shouting across to him and then runs over and goes through his bag as he's uh, as he's sitting there with the shears through but yeah a, a tough scene really and then she runs away going you guys call the cops I'm going to try and find one I was like that's actually a clever way like if we ever surrounded by people and this dead person go, yeah, I'm gonna go find a cop. You call them. It's grand. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll go and find one. Not saying I'm gonna try and kill someone. No. This is not an admission. This is not an admission on record. And one small point that kind of links into this because this is kind of like the the trio of, of Kilgraves that go on here. The guy that he tells to go and stand and look at the railings forever. Oh wow! And it pans later on in the episode. It pans back and he's still there, kind of looking cold. He's shivering, he's wet himself. It's just like, oh my god, you poor guy. Yeah. Like, Kilgrave is a monster. And all he did was compliment Kilgrave. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah. It's so, so horrendous. And do you know what's even better? And I have to give a little bit of props to Billy Gerhardt, perhaps, or the, the production designers at the very least. When we come back and see him standing, uh, standing there in the cold, he looks like a completely different kid than he did when he came up to Kilgrave. He looks completely changed by his experience of just standing there for possibly up to a day um, we know now I think it's 24 hours now yeah. uh, that Kilgrave has the power so possibly up to a day standing there staring at the one spot um, it's a fantastic design and a really good little callback essentially because we don't. he doesn't do anything nobody stops him and nobody saves him or anything like that he's he, just in the background yeah. as Jessica arrives isn't he yeah so. well foreground foreground sorry yes her background our foreground yeah good good uh, good perspective discussion there chris right (laughs) derek what's your next point my next point is the other big moment i think in the episode for me is um robin's farewell to reuben um i think you mentioned it earlier on chris that there's a lot of wrap-up that's going on now we've only got two episodes left um the one thing i would say about this is probably i think this could have happened in maybe episode nine um but there was too much going on there. Uh, maybe episode 10. It feels like it's been kind of pushed out a little bit later than it should have. Robin seems to have been sitting around the apartment a bit too long, not actually doing anything as a character, uh, not really progressing much in the in the show. Uh, but I thought the scene itself was fantastically played by the two actors. I thought it was really well done. And there's a nice bit of comedy in there as well. Um, there's a couple of lines that I particularly liked out of it. Uh, I love that um, when 
Malcolm is talking to her. He's saying to her that, yes, everybody liked Reuben. His banana bread was amazing. He must have put crack in it. Actually, wait a minute. Was there crack in it? <laughs> Being a crack addict, yeah. I thought that was a nice little uh, nice little gag there. Um, and then Robin's final farewell to her brother is, um, may they have express delivery in heaven, uh, which I thought was, uh, thought was great because she finds the package that she had made him not get express delivery on uh, arriving to her home. Um, but a nice little touch for those two characters, a nice little wrap-up of of Robin, I thought, um, but possibly could have happened in an earlier episode. I just feel that the, that the TV show felt quite stuffed um, throughout the episodes. We've had so much to talk about in every episode, so I don't know where this scene should have sat, but I do feel the 12th episode um, is probably a bit late for it to happen, um, but a nice scene to have between the two of them. Absolutely. Like, I, I felt the same thing. I thought it was really nice, the scene. I think it was great that, you know, she kind of went to where Malcolm had thrown his body into the docks and mm-hmm. into the river. Uh, that was all great. Yeah, a bit sooner may have worked better um, just because everything was so focused on, uh, you know, Luke Cage and Jessica and Kilgrave and his dad that um, sometimes I just wondered whether it was taking me out of the moment, but I actually did really like it. And um, I did like the fact that she was the catalyst for um Malcolm staying actually like you know he was about to leave head back to his parents um he was quite clear that Jessica um had pretty much almost ruined his life yeah. um he was having pretty negative um opinions of, of, of Jessica there you know he bumps into them both Jessica and Luke walking back to her apartment which i have to say is has some great dialogue in that moment and he like says you know what are you doing back here almost you know you should stay away from her she she ruins your life yeah and it's robin who's freaking out upstairs who ultimately um delays Malcolm enough so that he doesn't leave in the end. Yeah. Uh, but just quickly as well, the whole thing where Jessica and Luke get back to Jessica's apartment after he's just blown up, obviously, the bar, um, and Luke looks around the place and sees all the holes, the absolute mess of the apartment, <laughs> and she goes, we're both lousy renters, um, which I thought was really good. Um, and I love like, that she Luke... doesn't explain it to no, She's having a huge fight in exactly. the apartment with Simpson. He probably needs to know this. But Luke Cage <laughs> just, like, sort of, as a side, goes, um, yeah, at least it's not on fire kind of thing. So a really nice little sort of, just sort of nonchalant kind of moment with a few little dropped gags. Yeah. Uh, sort of subtly put in there, which was really good. I thought, right, yeah, right. yeah. I'm gonna I disagree. I think I don't know what it is. Robin character has now grated on me so much. If it wasn't for the, the being her being used as a plot point to further Malcolm in t- basically getting Malcolm to stay, mm-hmm. there would be no need for the scene. I think it needs to that that character needs to be ran out. I think from your point before that she had no character arc. This is the character arc. Yeah, and yeah. hopefully we'll see her back as Typhoid Mary, as you've pointed out before. So yeah. we probably needed a bit more of her character to show no, off. No, and show. potentially I just it, it's the craziness for a show that is a very Daredevil esque in that it is grounded in reality, not like some of the other MCU mm-hmm. stuff. She is a caricature right. of a character. But you those people I mean? exist. Really? In New York. Really? They, they, they do. And I mean, it's... Come, come to New York Comic Con with us next year. Where, where as a man with unbreakable skin and a, a, a woman who can, like, kind fly, of like. <laughs> doesn't. Like, I mean, I know what you're saying. I definitely 
understand that. But like, I mean, I, I liked her character ultimately. I just thought here it, it maybe could have been done a few episodes earlier. Yeah. Okay, perhaps um, then if the if it had been done sooner, yeah. I would have... And, and it should have been linked in with her finding out from Malcolm and Malcolm trying to say, well, look, I'll give you closure by taking you to yes. where I dumped his body. Something yeah. along those lines rather than... I mean, it, he does that here and I just think that would have happened um, earlier. Yeah, because again, there is that weird moment as they arrive at the docks where she says, why are you taking me down here? I'm still... <laughs> I always wonder about that in TV shows where they've clearly spent about 25 minutes with each other with dialogue that we don't see on the screen and you go well, what were you doing for the last 25 minutes on your walk down to the docks yeah. were you not Silence. asking him why, why you were taking him there you know but I did like her Pisces discussion about the fact that the two of them are twins they were both born in March uh, the sending fishes. him back to the water uh, is the right place to, to lay him to rest so she didn't seem hugely angry about, about what happened so that she does get that closure out of the, out of the moment so I did like the scene definitely Chris do you want to give us the, your next point Okay, I'm going to talk about the point that we've been dancing around for this. I wanted it as our, all of our last points, because yeah. I know it is our last point. Okay, well, is, it, is this everyone else's last point? Can we talk about it? I think thing? we can talk about it. Is this the nightclub? This is the nightclub. Is this the nightclub? This is the fight. Yes. The fight. <laughs> like, this was surprisingly thrilling and scary aha moment mm-hmm. and a wow moment. I thought you were going to say a wham moment. Then you would have had two 80s bands in one cent. We could uh, have wham. Uh, no. A Duran Duran moment in there as well. <laughs> My God, yeah. Can you imagine? That would actually be brilliant. They had different music playing. Anyway, um, well, this is what we complained. This is what I complained about. Yeah, you know, yourself. Yeah. This is on me. In other words, we didn't have that much action in this show. Mm-hmm. Like fisticuffs action yes. yep. in c- coming from a show like Daredevil where we had at least a punch and a kick every episode. This made up for it. Absolutely. This was 20 minutes? It was a good 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah a good 15, 15 minutes, minutes of just wall-to-wall punches and kicks and oh, going... Christ. See, this is the thing. They showed how someone of that small frame uh-huh. can go against the bruiser that is Luke Cage, which is unbreakable, because she was smaller, so she was jumping under him and then kicking him in the knees and then throwing him into... And how she was using her powers as well. Yeah. Like, where she pushes herself off the wall and, like, kind of... Glide and like speeds like a bullet into him, right. knocking him yeah, into that the wall. Was really and then, cool. yeah. Now, our listeners, if you're listening for the very first time, I sometimes get annoyed by TV trope and film trope and <laughs> cliches. That's a word. Yeah, it is. It is a real word. A trope. Look it up. Uh, uh, I did not mind that they used the ultimate cliche in a scary, in a thrilling moment mm-hmm. in this. And the course I'm talking about, we all were there when she had her back to the door, which holding a steel girder, which was pretty cool. But she had her back to the wall. I was like, waiting for it to come through the yeah. door, wasn't it? Yeah. And I was like, okay, he's just gonna, he's a superhero with super strength. He's going to punch through the wall and grab her. And I was like, oh, they, they did it. I actually didn't care because they did it really well mm-hmm. in that she didn't go through once. But it she, makes sense for his character to punch through yeah. a wall because he's got unbreakable. Yeah. Absolutely. But, it, but they made it again because typically in a film, they just like grab, he'd pull through in one fell swoop and grab her through, right? In this, he grabbed her like almost like a bear hug and pulled once, nothing, twice, like getting closer. And the third time she slips through, but yeah. she bends over. Yes. She's using her strength to try and stop him from pulling yeah. it through the wall. I think yeah. that was it. This fight was so scrappy and so messy. It felt 
absolutely how it would pan out. You know, she is having to fight smart, dirty, um, really hunker down and scrap it out with this huge guy. And I, I absolutely love that. Even just with like with the police door. Oh, the, that was the, amazing. The, the squad car door that being like um, being pounded was like really, really cool. And I loved as well just how it mingled in to begin with on the dance floor yeah. with, with Kilgrave as the DJ, the MC sort of directing it um, and saying how he had been in control all the time as Luke is there trying to kill her. And just like... That was my line. Did you like it? You know, yeah. that, like really annoyingly, kind of going back to, I think it was the first point we made, but like, you know, just really cool. And that that was all being done on the dance floor. Yeah. Um, really, really like that. Oh, yeah. And boy, did they dance. What a great, what a great fight, fight sequence. Just that particular moment that you were talking about through the wall. It really, I know it's uh, to you, it's a trope, but to me, it just is right out of a zombie film. It's that moment of the zombies breaking through a wall to take out your hero or your heroine. Um, fantastic moment. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, all the way through. It's just filled with excellent moments. Yeah. And it really is something that I would love to have seen. You know, these episodes obviously don't go with cover art. They just take uh, images from the episode themselves. But you know that this would be an amazing front of a comic book cover. Jessica Jones versus Luke Cage. Yeah. Uh, and there's an absolute reason here, like there are in the Marvel versus kind of uh, series, I think Marvel Arena, Avengers Arena, something Battle like that. Battle World? Battle, Battle, well, Battle World overall, yeah. Uh, but there's, a, there's specific sets of comics where oh, yeah. the main heroes go up against each other and there's always a reason behind one of them turning to the dark side and fighting each other. This is a perfect one. Kilgrave's in control. He's telling Luke to kill her. And Jessica's holding back a little bit, but we can see she can hold her own. You know, she doesn't want to kill him. She wants to take him out and knock him out or do something uh, to stop him. Um, and I love that moment of realization that she can't do anything at all. And she's going to have to put a bullet in his head, essentially, to stop him, which is the last last moment or the last minutes of the fight. And before we get to that last minutes of the fight, mm -hmm. because I know we're gonna, one of you is going to want to talk about it. Okay. She nearly flies. Mm-hmm. And that... Nearly. Nearly. <laughs> yeah. Because she can see her. She took off. Now, we talked off air talking about... Because yeah. I this was... This frustrated me. Right. Because I was like, she's going to fly! And he grabs her. Brilliant. And it was like... <laughs> but, see, uh, to me... To you, it looked like a jump. Yes. To me, she hovered like... So she was still pushing up mm -hmm. as he was pulling down. Yes. So she was there. If there's a split second where she's just hanging in air while he's holding her, and I was like, oh, yeah. "That's cool. That's not just her jumping, as she likes to call it." Interesting. Yeah. Like it was like, and I thought, "Oh, they could have like the the strain of it kind of knocked her." You know, it's just a great battle, and uh, it's a really good comic book part where they suddenly develop something and get. Use a power, yeah. because of the the agony and stress they're under. Right, that would have been brilliant. She had to get away from him, so she ends up starts hovering above him. Right, oh, it would have been so good. <laughs> See, oh. I I like this. I must say because in the comics or in the images that you've seen from the comics, you obviously have to fill in a lot of comics because it's not it's not every single instant second. It's not animated. Obviously, it's just frames. But this is exactly how I expect Jessica flies. We've talked about on the podcast before that we don't actually have a flying character that does it under their own power at all. We have Iron Man who obviously uses the suit. We have Thor who uses the hammer. Um, so Jessica's our first 
possible flying character. But effectively, the way I the way I've explained it to myself in my own head, not given a huge amount in the show, what we are given are these types of teases all the way throughout the series where people look up and go, "Is she flying, or is she? Did she just jump over our heads?" Kind of thing. Do you remember the, one of the episodes? Aaron oh, Ron, with, the, with the cops. With the cops. Yeah. Whereas in this one, we you think exactly. Is Jessica going to fly here? Are we going to see Jessica actually fly? But no, you don't. She ju- she pu- uses her strength to push herself off the ground it's at a higher joking. rate than a, at a higher rate than a human could because of the power that she has. Not saying that Jessica's not a human, but we see her jump only a couple of inches off the ground and then is grabbed by Luke and smacked off the floor like something from from wrestling. You know? It's jumping. Uh, no, it's real. No, hold on. Look, <laughs> if it was jumping, that she wouldn't have hung. He would have just slammed her down. Or he's holding her and slamming her. It's the move from Luke, I think, that's keeping her held in the air. But I like answers on a postcard, people. Absolutely, Team Chris, Team Derek, right? John. We do have a Facebook group where you can go and join, <laughs> which is Defenders TV Podcast. We do have an email address, which is feedback at defenderstvpodcast dot com. Send in your thoughts there rather than trying to find our actual address and putting it in a postcard. But yes. uh, but yeah, that's that's my thoughts. I love jumping Jessica and I love the fact that we've never seen anything more than a couple of inches off the ground. They didn't they didn't develop a rig for uh, for Kristen Ritter to be hanging in the air with. Uh, we've seen her jump a lot but not any uh, any flying it so far and I love so good. This is what it always looked like in the comic books for me. But uh, John any any thoughts on that? On the flying, uh-huh. it's jumping. It's jumping, right? It's real. <laughs> Two against one. Come on, listeners, join my side. Come on, come to the dark side. No, I mean, because then she would need inertial dampeners on her eyeballs or something. Like <laughs> Goggles. Oh yeah, yeah. See? <laughs> but then inertial dampeners. <laughs> so to go back to the uh, to go back to the fight itself. Yeah. Basically, on the fight, I love the fact that it got so crazy. She did have to essentially put the gun up against his chin and mm-hmm. fire. Um, and I mean, to begin with, I was slightly confused as to suddenly why she was thinking and crying and, and racing back to him as though like she had hurt him because obviously she, you know, fired it at his skin, which is unbreakable. Uh-huh. So I was kind of going, this is a bit strange. This is really weird, but I suppose maybe it's almost like a, a knockout punch. Um, or something like that, or a concussion that he's gotten from it, from the recoil of the gun, or the yeah. the the sort of the the thump and the 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 pressure wave from it, or something like that has affected him, right. rather than it being a physical kind of um, knockout blow or something. Right. It, it's 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 done something internally, but I, I don't know how unbreakable skin works. Kind of weird to think maybe what was going through. The writers here, but initially I was struck about how odd it was that he was knocked out. Firstly, right, um, and secondly, that she was concerned that she may have killed him or something. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's part of uh, part of the way it's played, and that's and you're, you're feeling the right way. That's definitely the way the writers want you to feel. <laughs> that is the point. I, it kind of comes back to me. Um, I think it, the TV show Heroes did it, where we have the the cheerleader who can't die, right. Yeah, okay, she didn't die the first time they tried something with her, and they kept doing experiments, essentially, to see how far they could take it. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Even though she di- she didn't die the first time, could she die the second time, right? Does that cause the person who's doing these things to her to be a murderer? Yeah? So, in this sense, what Jessica is essentially, to me, the way the way it's being read is, Jessica's putting a shotgun up against the head of a guy that's told her he's got unbreakable skin, but has he tested every single thing in the world to see if they, it can penetrate exactly. the skin or not? So 
she is probably thinking, all right, I need to do something big here. Nothing I'm doing is knocking him out or taking him off the battlefield, essentially. Will I put this gun to his head, pull the trigger, and see if that will knock him out, or could it actually kill the guy I love? And he's not invincible either. I mean, we yeah. know that just from the comics. So Yeah, so is... Jessica doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't read the comic. <laughs> that would be really interesting. That's me. Fourth wall. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but wait, we'll wait, wait for Deadpool for that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of the, uh, the kind of the thought process that's going through her head. She's putting a shotgun up against his head, and she's deciding whether she'll pull the trigger or not to take him out off the battlefield. And she doesn't know what's going to happen to him. No, absolutely. I, I think that's kind of how I came back to it. But in the moment, I was like going, but what are you doing? Because I just I there, expected yeah. him to get up and continue the sort of the beat down uh-huh. uh, of her. I, I thought it was more that, I don't know, a bit like with Trish having to put the bullet in the mouth that she was going to have to do something like punch him in the mouth and rip out his tongue or something <laughs> like that or like deafen him with the ears. Like, he's, has he got unbreakable eardrums? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, that kind of thing. I, I, I wondered, like, where is she going to find the weakness to him? Um, and or is it going to be a case where she's just going to have to run away? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, when the shotgun went off, I I expected a moment of him to sit up with wisps of smoke kind of uh, billowing from his face kind mm-hmm. of thing as a shotgun blast because I didn't expect that to knock him out. This is the, the, the bad sides of knowing what we do and following these things. We know... Luke Cage has a series coming out. Yeah, yeah. We know he cannot die. Yes. Like, that is the trouble. Unless. And no. this, is, this is what I was thinking after we watched this episode. Unless the Luke Cage TV series is the story of how he met Reba and the and all the story of how he got his powers, all that kind of stuff. There is things they could do. So I, okay. I do feel in a little bit of, uh, is there a possibility that Luke could be taken out in this episode? Um, but, but, the, but then he put a... Angle grinder to his abs. Very true. Very and true. like that didn't. Yeah. Like like that then probably diamond cut angle grinder. He yeah. It just it was hammed a bit too much in that last bit uh-huh. where she's crying over the body. I'm like he's not going to be dead, honey. Relax. You knocked him out. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, I wish we were all in New York to take care of her. <clears throat> Poor little Jessica. Uh, yeah. But just to wrap it up, I I for this point for me, like I wasn't. I think we discussed about it before, slightly, in terms of that. I can't remember which podcast it was. In the slightly being taken out of the moment because you know this is a main character. I get you. And not, like, there's upcoming pieces for him or her. Yeah, and absolutely. I, yeah. yeah, and so it was just like, now, it does not take away. It takes away a fraction. Right. But overall... This was amazing. Like, yeah. like you said, like I agree with every one of your points. Like that door scene where she rips the door off and she just pounds. You actually see the door because I had to re- rewind it. You didn't you have to, but you know okay, you did. Okay, okay, I okay. certainly rewound yeah. the scene a lot. To yeah. see that the door starts like whatever way they built it from a prop type of way, it they it started going in mm-hmm. and bending. Yeah. yeah, in her hand, and then when he finally rips it out and throws it away, I was like, "Ah, oh, that was amazing!" Grace, it felt like yeah. it felt like a, really a, a Hulk moment yes. almost. Yeah, it was really good, really, really good. Uh, I think overall, that's that's all the points we have on uh, on the episode. John, do you have any notes about the episode? 
I do. I have two. We've got a whiskey watch here, which is wildfowl quality whiskey, which I suspect quality is a lie. Um, <laughs> and then Top quality the other whiskey. one is, forgive my indulgence, but on the yellow uh, New York cab, you had flat fur JFK. I just, I just laughed at that point. I have to say, I thought there's no such thing in New York cabbies. <laughs> I thought, oh look, there's the humour. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I love this humour in Jessica yeah. Jones. Yeah, a little tip for anybody going to New York: never take the cab from the airport. It's very, very expensive. Take the train. It's it's about seven dollars. Yeah, um, as opposed to eighty, even yeah. though the flat fare is plus actually tip. fifty. <laughs> plus tax, plus tip, John. <laughs> no, I, on the whiskey watch, I would. I was thinking about this. Can you imagine if Wild Fowl is the MCU version of Wild Turkey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It'd be brilliant. It'd be like, yeah, no, no. We're going to take your favorite things like like Pop-Tarts and uh, and uh, Wild Turkey and Coca-Cola and they'll rename them just slightly. Yep. They'll be like, I know that. <laughs> A Coca-Cola or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Derek, do you have any... Notes. Uh, yeah, a couple of little notes actually that we didn't really get to talk about throughout the episode. Um, there is a, a mention from Kilgrave's father, who's now helping him out with uh, with increasing his abilities, that he's using stem cells. Um, so this, I think, means that he's taken the the fetus um, that was being experimented on. He's using the stem cells of potentially Kilgrave's child. Uh, to develop his powers, which is I thought was quite interesting that there was a bit of a callback. It was very slight. It was just a one-liner where he says that, where he makes that comment, essentially. But uh, but I thought that was quite interesting that, that they did do what we thought they were doing, that he goes to Hammond Labs, goes and picks up the fetus, and then uh, goes and experiments it on it to increase his powers, essentially. So that's that's quite an interesting little touch. Yeah, just one thing on Albert, actually. I think when him and uh, Kilgrave come out of the, the nightclub, the church... Uh, the first time, and and Kilgrave tells the kid to go and look at the railings forever. At one point there, it struck me that Albert almost seemed to be there of his free will, and I wondered whether there was a double cross, or or that actually Albert and Kilgrave were sort of working together as father and son. Because, I, but I think in the end, it was more that he was drunk. I think, um, and. Kilgrave was just relaxed but for a split second it just gave me the feeling or the impression that um, Albert wasn't really being held there against his will so much but obviously uh, we find out later in the episode with the blender that that's not the case but that was just like one thing small thing that kind of struck me at that scene definitely yeah yeah no I totally agree with you there is a little moment and and it's one of the weird things about Kilgrave's power is when he is controlling someone that um, everything can look really normal between the two people it can look like they're absolutely there their free will hence the whole thing that he has a problem with with Jessica that he doesn't understand how she can't love him because the whole time she was under his control it felt so natural to him um, so yeah it's a good good little call out there a um, couple other ones for me uh, I love and we used to talk about the doors you remember the door in Alias Investigations we used to talk about it a lot uh, in door some watch. of the early episodes uh, and we said last last week's episode that the door got broken again I love a little touch as Luke and Jessica leave the apartment Jessica closes the door behind her and reaches back through the door and locks it <laughs> yeah. totally pointlessly um, but I love the little touch I uh, thought it was very funny as if she's just not really taking account of the fact that she has no window in there anymore uh, nice little touch and the other one that we just didn't mention just because we didn't get around to it because it was so much else going on but this is our first episode where we have a meeting between 
Trish and Luke Cage. And there's a great moment. It is Trish Walker. Nice to meet you, Luke Cage. Uh, really nice. And uh, one that I think might play out in the future when Luke Cage has his own series. Maybe we will get a bit of Trish coming into into that show. Uh, a new Trish Triangle. Cool. I don't think there's going to be a love yeah. interest element. I don't think that's necessary, hopefully. She called him hot. Um, but that's very true. Uh, but I do like the fact that these two major characters in the Marvel Universe have now had their first meeting in the show. I thought that was quite Definitely, cool. Definitely, yeah. Uh, Chris, do you have any other notes about this episode? Yeah, just on the, the actual that meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I kind of... I was a bit taken aback by the, the pause on the IGH reveal mm-hmm. to Jessica. You would have thought at that point she would have kind of, even though all the other stuff's going on, it's like, oh, well, this is kind of important. It was like, yeah, it's a, it, I, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to do some build up in this finale of a reveal for who or what IGH is. And then either it will come out that Patsy knew about it all along and was investigating it, blah, 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 and just like, how could you, blah, right. blah, or it's going to be just kind of, like, forgotten about. Yeah, I, just, I, I kind of feel, I don't know, put my head in the mind of the character, but I think with Trish, it's like, if I see a guy I don't know who's accompanying Jessica, has he been Kilgraved or not, essentially? <laughs> Do I talk about anything in front of him just in case of anything? So okay, I wonder yeah, if that's, that if that's actually, the thought. Yeah. It's like... Wait a minute, this is a guy that I've never been told about by the girl who tells me everything, essentially. So maybe there's something going on here that I don't know about. Maybe I, I shouldn't trust him off the bat, essentially. So uh, quite an interesting thing, considering what actually happens, that he has been Kilgrave. Yeah. So luckily, Trish didn't tell uh, Jessica about IGH. I keep wanting to say IGN. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Because that would have gotten back to Kilgrave. So uh, quite interesting. Yeah, and then my, my final point was just on the... the Kilgrave father scene in the penthouse. He has great taste. He has great taste in houses. Just in houses, because you just see randomly. You always see two people in the background. Uh-huh. This time, I think it was a gay couple, and uh, but it was just lovely, lovely penthouse. Amazing apartment. Yeah, yeah it looks amazing. Didn't Obviously, it? Really? I was just like, I kind of want that power just for that. I kind of want the money that those two two characters must have been making to get a New York penthouse. Can you imagine how much money that is? Only Kingpin can afford that kind of uh, that kind of apartment. I'm not saying that everybody lives in the penthouse apartment in New York is as evil as, as uh, Wilson Fisk, but, but anyway, on, a majority are. <laughs> no, on that note, I think we'll go into our recommends. John, do you defend this episode of Jessica Jones? I do. I do defend this episode of Jessica Jones. Uh, I would give it four bloody numbers out of five. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I really thought this was solid. I think immediately after the episode, I did kind of think it was pretty slow. I was like waiting for it to really just explode into this kind of finale over two episodes getting Kilgrave. But it, it pegged it back. And I think it pegged it back in a really good way because... You know, we it, we got introduced to the IGH, the I'm going to call it inhuman growth hormone at the moment, and um, you know, which helps explain two potentially two of the characters here in in Simpson and even in Jessica, and it threads nicely and absolutely gorgeously throughout the other parts of the MCU with regards to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and even possibly moving down towards um, the other uh, Marvel Netflix shows, you know, in terms of the the yellow USB fob with Luke Cage, maybe into um, Iron Fist, who knows, AIM, Hydra, everything we've discussed 
and um, you know it, it's just a really juicy bit of something to to get your teeth into and to really allow you to just go off on uh, multiple theories as to what's going to happen so i really like that i loved kilgrave in in this i loved his um despicableness um in all of it in terms of the hedge clippers the blender the 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 stand at the railings forever all of that and all topped off with a big cherry on top um with the massive fight scene at the end you know the the ex-lovers and um, the fact that it completely um pulled the rug from everything that Luke had said in the episode up till that point that he was suddenly now it was all Kilgrave. You know, these were my lines. Did you like all of that? And, and the big scrap and fight at the end. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think if if there's any minute slice of uh, negativity in this, it would be to do with just being pulled out of the moment with Malcolm and Robin. I really still enjoyed those scenes. I just, I think, as you had said, Derek, I think they could have just been brought um into the show earlier and um, the fact that you know these are all slightly different lengths uh, each of these episodes you know cutting that back a bit and introducing it into other episodes could have worked in the netflix sense mm. because they don't all have to be 44 minutes long some are 55 some are 50 yeah. you know they are different lengths and um, so that could have just been done earlier, but I liked those scenes as well. So that's why it's it's not it's just a small little niggle for me. But overall, absolutely thought this was a really solid thing, and I, I think it probably will um, reflect nicely with the finale as well, which I suspect will be an all-out affair. So really good, really defend this episode. Chris, do you defend this episode? I'm just really happy I killgraved you into saying a negative point yeah. about this episode. Oh, yes. No. How did Chris do that? <laughs> and now, look. It's the pheromones. Can't know, but I just want to say, I'm saying a negative thing there, but I don't mean that the episode was bad. Absolutely. No, I know. Like, that... I'm saying it's 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 still an amazingly great episode and really solid. And I think, again, it's a relative thing. It's just because it is all so good, you sometimes, things that do just kind of make you... It's not even that they're bad. That suddenly, maybe they just fall slightly flat in your own interpretation of things. Suddenly, you get sort of um, magnified in your head as being something negative, and they might not be. So, everyone out there, I'm not dis. No, but like no. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's just a slight negative. But I love this episode. It's why it's not a five out of five, basically. But is there ever yeah. going to be one? Maybe know. when Never. I when I look back. Yeah. Or we watch the finale. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Um, for me, I, I think I said at the very beginning, uh, I was surprised how subdued, what, a quarter, half of this episode was. It, it, it was plodding. It was slightly slow. Now, I get they were trying to wrap things up. I'm sorry. Still didn't like that scene. I think I agree now. Like... They could have put it earlier. The more we talked about it, okay, yes, maybe in a different part of the episode or, sorry, different episode, it would have made more sense and I would have been happy. Great. We're trying to get Malcolm to a better point. Okay, good. I get that. We're happy. Just, it slowed it down a bit too much. But getting to the good part, it made up for it. It made up for everything. The 
fighting, the aha moment, the reveal, the f- it was just so well done. Like the pr- even the lighting. I don't think I've ever talked about that since back Daredevil days. Yeah, absolutely. Like they had the purple, the, the hue to the club, and the purple mm-hmm. lights outside and blue, going blue and purple, blue and purple. Yeah, like. It was just fantastic. It was almost like his lair. Basically. Yeah, exactly. It was like it was yeah that cheese. No, not cheesy. That I was gonna go. You remember those? Remember like Mister Freeze lair and Batman Robin? It could have been that bad, but they didn't. It was. It was just a nice hue of purple. Mm-hmm. So it was brilliant. So, I if I had to, I'd give this four out of five mm-hmm. bloody punches of Luke. Like to Jessica, <laughs> like it was just like he went to town, but then she st- took all of it, and it was great. Like the so close to f- flight, uh, we're gonna argue about this off air. I know this. <laughs> it's like it was a flight, it was a job. Uh, it was so for me. It, look, it was great. It was. I I think th- again, this is a byproduct of us watching, recording, watching, recording, watching, mm-hmm. recording. I would have binged. Yeah. Like, you know how I, I do. How, like, listeners, I, if you really want to really hurt yourself, watch, like, the penultimate finale of something like this. And then when Netflix goes, continue watching in 2015, uh-huh. I'm like, if I forget to press stop, like, maybe it's not my fault. The computer did it. And just just another point for listeners uh, who don't know Chris, if you if you uh, just listen to his podcast, Chris watches a lot of television like we do, but you're definitely a binge watcher yeah. of TV shows. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times you'll wait for episodes to build up. You yeah. won't watch them all on a weekly basis. You'll wait, you'll wait for four or five to build up and yeah. then watch five back to back. Um, generally something I don't do. I generally do watch TV on a weekly basis. So uh, so that's kind of what I forced the guys to do uh, for these for these episodes. But no, yeah, but this yeah, is for, this is tough. Dude. But like for me, like the Doctor Who, I have three Doctor Who's plus the Christmas special. Right, I've brought them all together because I know is I'm going to watch one and I know there's one or two cross like two partners mm-hmm. and then there's Christmas special. I'm like, yeah, nope. I'm literally I'm spending a five hour session one day mm-hmm. going to do that. This was hard because they. They went from a slow start, mm-hmm. which nothing wrong with it. It was just a slow, it was investigatory. If it had been an episode eight, the first half of episode eight, it would have been perfect because mm-hmm. it was just it. But then they arced up to such an amazing level. I was like, God damn you, I want to watch the next part and see what happens. <laughs> Even though... I, I like that that's directed at me. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, okay, and I'm going to wrap up. I wasn't, I'm not even going to, like, the complaint of me being... Of Luke Cage not dying, that what that hasn't factored into it. Like that is a big thing to show how good this episode is, mm-hmm. and how well it was stitched to you wanting to watch the next one straight away, because you just don't think you're like, oh my god, did he actually? Oh my god, ah, tell me more. So yes, if I had to, four point four out of five. Uh, just it's a it's a one of the must watch. Just bear with it. Okay, Derek, and to wrap this up. Tell us what you thought. Of course I defend this episode. Of course I do. It's an excellent episode. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to watch this twice um, this week before uh, recording the podcast. Watched it the first time and thought it was quite a little bit slow. Uh, Watched it the second time knowing the reveal and thought, this is amazing. I love how they've set everything up from the first conversation in the car between Luke and Kilgrave. That throwaway line that he says, you know, what am I going to do now to repay that compliment, essentially, or to repay that comment that you've made to me? Uh, Loved it. Loved the 
episode. Loved everything about it. Loved the fight scene at the end, obviously. Loved the little touch of Robin. Uh, still, you know, a person who was crazy before uh, before we met her, essentially. Um, now had having the backlash from what happened to her with Kilgrave, where she's suspecting a delivery person of coming to her door as being a, a, a hired assassin for Kilgrave or an assassin of Kilgrave. Uh, thought that was a great little touch. Um, lovely touches throughout this episode, really tying up the loose ends that we've gotten uh, to lead into probably what's going to be a pretty big um pretty big finale still don't ex- don't expect there's going to be a huge fight scene between <laughs> between Kilgrave and and uh, and Jessica in the final episode but I like that we've tied a lot up to set up this final episode as being uh, being a great one and another brilliant episode from the makers of this show really really enjoyed it uh, so we'll be back again next week with uh, with the next episode of uh, our Jessica Jones coverage our final episode called aka smile uh, i think we have a little bit of feedback to uh, to close out this episode then so our first bit of feedback comes from sylvie carboneau uh, who got in contact with us on twitter uh, she says i listened to your review of episode 11 of jessica jones today i really share your thoughts about this one about 3.5 out of 5 with a bit of a plus for trish obviously yeah no thanks for that sylvie um yeah it was really good introduction and fight scene from trish i mean that was one aspect of it that i absolutely loved so definitely um it really helped pull the episode up definitely uh but it was another one of those great episodes and um, because of the different things going on in it so yeah definitely yeah viva la hellcat <laughs> yeah hellcat forever cool uh some other feedback that we got over on flickeringmyth.com where our episodes are also posted um LK has been posting some comments over on uh, on flickeringmyth.com on our episodes posted there. We're really sorry that we haven't actually uh, gotten back to these for the last couple of months. So just a couple of quick comments from, from LK. Uh, the first one he left for us on episode 6 review. Uh, he says, there's a bit of an irony there. Kilgrave won the hand of cards with a two of hearts. Uh, nice little touch there. Um, he says, I have no problem with Kilgrave wanting to play cards. And then at the end, once the pot is big enough, getting bored and saying it's time to go. So this was the episode where Kilgrave wins his huge pot of money to buy uh, Jessica Jones's house. Yeah, um, I think we would all like to do that, to be honest. Um, at least win, probably honestly, in a, in a game of poker. I mean, to be honest, for me to win any game of poker um, or even remember the rules. But uh, yeah, it's uh, a really nice little uh, spot there on the two of hearts as well. So yeah, thanks so much, LK. Yeah, and about episode nine, LK also says, wow, you guys are harsh. This was possibly my favorite episode of the series. Chris? Yes, Chris. You were harsh. <laughs> I'm not. You, you, I, uh, uh, you guy yes. was yes. harsh. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's all me. I, LK, um, yep, that's all me. Yeah, I um, loved episode nine. Yeah, uh, I, no, I don't know. I'm still not. I'm not going to go back. We must not uh, focus on the past, but look forward to the future. Absolutely. Uh, and the final piece of feedback from LK says Kilgrave only told Clemens to get her off me, detective, which he did. Nice little touch there. So that was about um, the detective who was told by Kilgrave. Um, we thought he was told to uh, to kill Jessica, and you were you were wondering, Chris, whether he would have tried to kill her for the rest of the episode. The specific uh, direction given by Kilgrave was. Uh, get her off me, detective. Which nice little touch. Okay, Thanks yeah. so much for catching Cheers, that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I fully take everything I said back in half that episode. Then, no, well, they ran that point. <laughs> 
And our final piece of feedback comes from Cassandra Atticum, uh, speaking about episode 8. Cassandra points out that in the comic book Alias, Jessica actually says that the Purple Man never touched her. She emphatically denies it. She says uh, he makes her watch and beg for it, basically in punishment for being a superhero. Uh, Yeah, we we spoke about that in one of our other episodes, that that we are aware that there was never any actual... um, any actual rape that was never from the Purple Man in the comic books of Jessica, but of other people, essentially, uh, through the comic books. The show seems to have taken a bit of a different tack. Although, up, up to episode 12, we actually have never seen a scene or a flashback to Jessica in a bed or anything like that. Um, very little of physical contact between herself and Kilgrave. There has been a lot of discussion about the mental impact of what he does to her um, throughout the series, uh, more so than the actual rape itself. Um, but yeah, thanks very much for that point, Sandra. Um, very good of you to leave that leave that feedback. If you want to send in direct feedback to us, send it to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can join us over on our Facebook group. Just search Defenders TV Podcast, obviously. Uh, join the group. We do have a page over there, but that's mostly where our news and our, um, and our episodes are posted. The real discussion happens within the group. Just uh, get in contact with us. And remember, subscribe and follow us on iTunes at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Or again, search Defenders TV Podcast on any other good podcast catcher uh, and subscribe to us or in fact leave a review so that others can find us uh, and the word spreads um, as uh, we move into the final episode yeah I think we can close it out there thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you again next week on episode 43 which is Jessica Jones episode 13 aka smile thank you so much for listening and in particular for my bad accents Um, smell you later (laughs) <laughs> and now, just because John talked about bad accents. ta <laughs> Bye. Hi there, this is Derek just jumping back in after we finished our editing of the podcast. Uh, we just heard the news that Jessica Jones has got a season two from Netflix with the announcement on Twitter uh, from the Jessica Jones handle. They provided a phone number uh, that you can call and hear a very special message from Jessica Jones herself of Alias Investigations. Here it is for you, though, in case you're not able to dial the phone number. Alias Investigations. We've got cases and shit, so I'll leave a message. Record your message at the tone. Press any key or stop talking to end the recording. We're obviously really excited to see what's up for Jessica Jones in Season 2. We did record our finale podcast as well prior to the announcement of Season 2, so you will hear some thoughts next week uh, on what we think could come in Season 2 if it gets announced. Uh, But you know now, Season 2 is coming. But we'll talk to you next week for our finale review. been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.